Responsibility Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Baker. I'm financial advisor, money mindset coach, and all-out money guru when it comes to creating the financial future you are after. This is the podcast where we make talking money normal and manifesting into our lives practical. I share with you money mindset tips and tricks, as well as practical financial strategies to help you create the financial life and relationship with money that you deserve. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. And hello and welcome to the Sensibility Podcast. I am super excited today because I have an old friend on Kylie Butler who I knew from sort of a networking group probably about six or seven years ago. It was definitely before I even met my husband, so it was a while back. And you were sort of working in that corporate space, LinkedIn. I remember you were the LinkedIn expert. If you had anything to do and wanted to get some marketing ideas, you were the go-to girl. And over the years, you know, you've evolved, you've moved, you actually live overseas in Bali, which I'm incredibly envious. But I caught up with you when you popped in, I think it was sort of just around Christmas time. We were at Bondi Beach. and was a trip back really after the crisis, well, the current crisis. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I sort of like, yes. I was surprised to see you because, you know, seeing you on social, you were always in Indonesia. So I was like, oh my gosh. Is that Kylie? And it was standing in the it was standing in a paddling pool with toddlers, by the way. And I'm like, well, let's catch up. So we did finally catch up. And I had been we had been going to catch up about a year or so, just like to do this podcast. So I'm so glad that we finally got around to being here today because that afternoon we caught up, sat on a hill in Bondi Beach and really spoke, had some really heartfelt, beautiful conversations all around mindset and it just goes to show that the work you do, you've got a, you know, you've got two businesses, and I'd love you to talk about both of those businesses. But the work you do is, you know, the foundation piece is mindset, but it's very different to the work I do with money. But at the same time, we this common place of of mindset is really where we can build the foundation of living our best lives. And so offline, we've just been talking about that, and what today we're going to do is talk about some of the signs and signals that we need to be aware of when we're sort of off kilter and potentially not really living our best lives and what to do. And you're quite an expert in this field. So I think I'm going to hand it over to you. If you don't mind just sharing a bit about both of your businesses and what you're doing, just to give everyone an understanding, because I think you'll do it better than me. <laughs> I'm happy to just see how good I am at get condensing. So firstly, absolutely wonderful to be here. You know, that, that, that organic conversation that we had on the hill was really beautiful. And I love the timing and the alignment of just, you know, us, you know, making this happen. And, you know, we met earlier on our journeys and I don't think either of us had a podcast then. And here we are getting to, you know, share these beautiful conversations that enrich other people's lives. So, so firstly, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate that. And, so, yeah, just a little bit of background to kind of paint a picture of who I am, where you can kind of fit me in. So my background is all um, corporate, HR, people and culture. So my last roles in corporate were head of people and culture, specialising in the employee value proposition and branding. Always, for me, it's always been around the psychology of understanding the human context. So to keep them within your organization, how you draw a person into organization, how you keep them happy. So very much always being driven by understanding the humans and how they check and how we live our best life. And also they explore, what does that even mean? You know, we bandy around these phrases. So that was my corporate career. I shifted, I got sick of the bureaucracy at the leadership table and moved to doing my own thing and started a career coaching business. So I thought, so people, you know, swapping the skills on their head, doing it another And that was helping people move up folks to life, understanding what are their unique gifts and how they look the world. So that was a meaningful life by this moment. And then the podcast that goes along with that is all around conscious living, conscious mindful and intentional living. So when I bring together and I'm going to bring in another significant piece in a moment, career, purpose, alignment, living from love and not fear, you know, living your best life, and then we bring in a whole other I was living the opposite of my best life because I'm now in recovery from alcoholism. So I had a period in my life where I was very angry and as a consequence of that, you know, it learned a great deal about the depths of the laws of mental health, depression, anxiety, addiction, rehab, rehabilitation. So now I used to study psychology from a positive psychology perspective, but now I really understand 
So only, you know, how do you go from good to better and amazing, you know, but now I really understand, you know, the full bandwidth. And also that's, and what we were saying that, you know, the second kind of beautiful organic conversation that kicked off before we went live was just around everything that I do really is around mindset, you know, as an addiction recovery coach and trauma recovery coach, it's around people understanding if everyone, whether you have zero drinks or a bottle of vodka a day, is your external world is dictated by your internal world, by your relationship to, your, to yourself, your thoughts, your reality, your perception, your understanding of yourself in, in context. Like we create heaven or help. And addicts in the depths of their addiction in such a level of help that they have to dumb, dumb and strut. But every human has a craving mind. And most of us in this world where we are overcome with distractions and numbing and dumbing and distracting. And really what level are we? And so my new business is from here on, which is all around, where we actually specialize in helping executives and CEOs recover from addiction, which is a complex neurological condition with its roots in trauma. But I suppose the work that I do, if I can help somebody go from being an intravenous drug user to living a sober life, is also incredibly beneficial for the average person because we're all in some level of pain. And whether it's chocolate and Netflix, then kind of sugar's my gut, gut is mine. In the Narcotics Anonymous world, you have a drug choice. And my drug of choice these days is sugar, you know? But we all have something at some level of pain. So, you know, I've got really passionate about getting on podcasts since we're seeing the global mental health crisis right now. So. You know, there's gay living our best life, but there's also a lot of people in deep levels of pain that are a long way from that. They might be kidding themselves. I was mm-hmm. like living my best life and crawling over and going to rehabs. And that the group that you mentioned, but that was actually my entrepreneurial group that Heather and I started. And yeah. I was in the throat condition to Yeah. So up, falling over, rehab, back, you know, on top, launch a podcast. But, you know, I, and there's so much shame and stigma around mental health that I might really want to speak so publicly about this journey, but the tools, the mindset, the external world created from the internal world, that's that's relative to everyone. Oh, 100%. I'm so glad that you are doing this. It's fantastic. There's so much there that I wanted to sort of pull apart in everything you just said, just sort of so that everybody can relate. I mean, we've got to start looking at things as, yes, the human mind it's quite a complex thing, but and it, what will we basically experience externally is from the internal. So one thing you said before, which made me think about just some of my clients that go through the money coaching and the financial advisor clients as well, is that a lot of people have this shame around money, for example, and they think, oh, everyone looks like from the outside, I look like I've got my shit together. And it's exactly the same as what you were saying when we met. Back in those days, we were doing those spark dinners and lunches and catch-ups. From the outside, Kylie, you look like you had your shit together. I had no idea you were going through that. <laughs> it's the same thing with money. Someone might look like they've got their shit together when it comes to their finances, but they're actually in debt by $50,000 and are buying a Louis Vuitton or something because they're trying to, sh- to look like they're successful, but they're drowning in debt and they're drowning in other areas, they're living in anxiety, they're living in fear, they're living in shame, they're angry with themselves, they want something better, they know they need to change, but a lot of us don't know where to change. And that's a thing that I think it's important that you are speaking up about that mental health piece, that where I think most mm. of us have these challenges, it's just not been spoken about, mm. and most of us are sort of wandering aimlessly, a little bit stuck in the subconscious state when we really need to start mm. opening our eyes to what's going on with ourselves. Absolutely. And that's where it all begins with that level of conscious awareness, you know, of really understanding because so often people are just living this reactionary life and the alarm goes off, bang, coughing, throw it down. So I've got enough energy to get to the meeting and just, and they're kind of being dictated by these external circumstances, but the day doesn't have to be, like, it doesn't have to go like that like you can really make a decision you can find some space whether it's on your weekend wherever it is to come back to like who am i what are my values how do i want to live how do i want to show up you know am i comfortable with the impact that i'm making on the environment am i happy with who i am as a parent who i am in my relationship 
who I am with myself. What is this inner voice saying to me? Like it starts with stop, with stopping and taking a pause and having a really, you know, a really good think around who do you want to be and how do you want to show up every day, you know, and look some hacks to that as well. Like, you know, I work with my clients around like intentional mornings. There was nothing new with that. Alan, what is solid in your morning, but around, okay, every day being intentional. I know myself, I want to come from a place of love and not fear. I want to live boldly and courageously. And look, I almost died. So I got the opportunity to kind of, there's an exercise I do with my clients where I say, you know, imagine you're on your deathbed and you want to look back at your life and how do you want to have lived, you know? There's going to be very few people that are going to say, oh, I wish I'd worked longer hours. And, you know, no, they're maybe going to say, oh, financial freedom. I wish I appreciated the little things. I wish I, you know, loved with reckless abandon. You know, so we can do that now. You don't have to wait till you're in the hospital bed. You can sit and go, you know, how do I want to live my life? And make it really conscious. And and that's how I want to live my life. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. How are we living it? Are we living mm. in reaction? Is the day running up? Or we say, okay, no, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do my yoga and I'm going to nourish mind, body, and spirit. We can do meditations, we can slow down. But I had to do meditation. My mind just goes so quickly that I can't sleep unless I do something to kind of ground myself. But but sort of, but you know what? I just did when I was my first meditation course. I was in a startup at the time, and I'd get to the med- I'd get to the meditation course at the end of the day. I'd sit down on the mat. I'm like. I've got a headache. <laughs> and I didn't even realise. Like, I didn't even realise. So I was just running. Just, and I go back to Sydney now and I see my friends and they're just doing shit. Doing shit. But they're constantly stressed and anxious and yelling at the kids. And like, what? But their lives are blessed. I mean, Sydney is just, there's so much beauty there. You know, in, in most Australians, we have such a privileged life. We know? do. And we might be living in such internal pain. You know, most of us have a level of complex childhood trauma that's undealt with. And, well, let's go there because our subconscious is really developed from our childhood. And you might look back and go, I have had beautiful parents and really lovely lifestyle. But we actually, when we're really young, we're in a beta theta sort of wavelength. It's a very, it's a time where basically it's the same wavelengths of our brain is when we're being hypnotized. So we are really taking the world in. We actually are in that sort of very creative space. We're very open. That's why children are so playful. We see things differently. We're probably open to so much more than we are as adults, in fact. But as we're absorbing, we're tiny little sponges and I'm seeing my daughter now. I've got a two-year-old, but I've also got nearly adult children. And I'm looking at her with far more conscious awareness with the studies I've done on the way our brains are developed because even though she's got a lovely life lifestyle and loving parents, like we all, your parents don't m- mean to mess you up, by the way, and please be very open and forgiving with this information, but it's about how it's interpreted. So, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, it was a very different economy, and especially when my parents were going through a divorce and everything, I would hear things and interpret things. And back then, you know, if I was standing in the mirror admiring a new dress or whatever, I'd have my brother or my sister walk past me and sort of snuck me back behind the head and go, stop loving yourself. You know, all of those little things start building up mm. little internal insecurities and messages and beliefs about yourself and your external world. And then all of a sudden you've got these drivers as an adult. And we're now in this sort of adult situation but all of that stuff from our childhood is actually what's making this world that we're living in creating the patterns behaviors because it's all based on the beliefs that were the foundation so we've got to really think back and be aware of what are those beliefs are they driving me in the right direction should i be reviewing those beliefs and those thoughts and those patterns and behaviors should i be aware of them so true and everything that you said there amy is just Absolutely brilliant because the child in this naturally egoic state and a completely different way of kind of brain development, it's a beautiful analogy that you, that you shared there. And also they take everything so personally. So when a child is 
shamed or harmed. They think, I must have been worthy of that abuse, psychological, mm -hmm. physical, but like they really need the spiritual abuse. What if they really believe it's true? Like I, they take it on to be true, but I grew up believing that I was not worthy of love, that I was like too much, I'm just too much. I'm too sensitive, too loud, you know, just with these kind of ideas, these really fractured ideas that I felt like I wasn't worthy of a lot of love, of a lot of care, of a lot of attention, certainly of living my best life. You know, and my parents are amazing. I love them to death. They are gorgeous humans. But there was a whole era there where all that, you know, children should be self-soothing, which is absolutely insane. You know, all the ways that they were you know, taught in the kind of 70s to bring up children cause complex childhood trauma. And complex childhood trauma is you don't have to have the big teeth. So you don't have to have the sexual abuse or the really, really harsh physical abuse. Some of the taps, some of the shaming. And complex means repeat it. So you were, you were consistently getting these messages through your parents' unconscious behavior. And what you're saying is now your child now is because you're, you're conscious, you're aware, you're like, you understand the psychology and the brain waves of a young child. But then it was very different. We've also gone too far now. We, we gave all these, uh, this whole generation of children deep psychological wounds, and now we've gone the other way. And they get a fourth ribbon for everything and don't get told off for anything. And they don't know, don't know how to exist in the real world because they're incredibly entitled and don't realize that life is difficult. So we need some real point. But for the people who grew up in the, you know, we were parented in maybe the 70s and 80s. Or, or even earlier. Um, it, it was then, actually harsher even earlier. Yeah. No, well, earlier, absolutely much harsher. I'm not sure exactly what kind of the parameters of your audience are, but earlier, even harsher. And of course, then you just pretended none of it, it happened. Yeah, but everything also, gets we, swept under the carpet. We, it, we're also, it's all stuck in our subconscious and driving our behavior and we're not aware. So meditation can be a tool to unlock it. Hypnosis can be a tool to unlock it. Psychedelics can be a very powerful tool to, to unlock kids to unlock you what's happening in the, in the subconscious. But there are these... And I, to the honest truth is I was drinking to blackout and starting and morning drinking and I had no idea why I was in so much pain, why I was medicating. Yeah. I thought I had a perfect childhood. I went to rehab. I had a feeling this booklet and they said, where's your first happy memory with your mum? Because all of my perceptions of my parents were viewed through the filter of my adult mind and they are amazing humans. They're like two of the like, most incredible rock stars and they gave parenting their all. They were in a very tough situation. But then, but I didn't have a happy memory with my mum until I was 19. And then I started looking at what all the early memories that were surfacing were, you know, and I was like, oh, it's a lot of, you know, somebody not coping, trying to trying her very best with the limited tools that she had, mm -hmm. but as a highly sensitive adult. And so for the people who, so we, so for the people who actually tend to abuse alcohol or any other drugs, with there's two things that are happening, complex childhood trauma and highly sensitive. But also most high performers are highly sensitive. People who are very intuitive are highly sensitive. So there's, and this is why I specialize with from here on within you know the executive level, because there's a piece within the high performance leader, the, the high performer, high performing and high functioning addict. The high functioning addict, the high performance leader, and very similarly wired. So yeah, a lot of the people who could be listening to this podcast are the people who are like not necessarily sitting on the couch, you know, going, oh, it's just happening to me. They're just, some of them are probably really reaching for their best life. And there's a good chance that, you know, that they've got some childhood trauma that is unresolved and not dealt with. It's driving some numbing, dulling, distracting behaviors. And the extreme of that is addiction. But mm -hmm. yeah, but we can also, you know, that's addiction it's a spectrum <laughs> absolutely so, everything's well, a spectrum right you know. like why well, go through this with my clients because i think we, we make all of this adult well we believe that adult decisions and sort of go through life not really aware of adulthood but i am a big believer in having people think back about you know just for obviously use the you know money as the example given my mind, mindset coaching space is but i always get people to say childhood and think about all the language, the behavior, the things that they saw and experienced. You know, always taking, like mum always saying, we can't afford. 
And I went down that road with my boys when I was a single mum. And I'm like, oh my God, I my children. And it's about also forgiving because if we only have a, a, like this awareness piece, okay, I made these decisions in my adult life, whether it's gone to the level of extreme of, of actual, or is it maybe just abusing my finances to a point or in a relationship that's quite healthy, whatever the situation may be, it's first be aware. Then it's looking at what are we prepared to let go and give and, and where's this trauma, you know, where does it lie, where is it dormant in my life? Because that's the other thing is I had this epiphany last night actually. We're energetic beings and when we're holding on to this stuff and we carry a lot of images as humans, if we don't let that stuff go, it turns into something else inside of us and it usually comes about anger or addiction, other behaviours that aren't going to serve us. We liken it to somebody who eats a lot and actually isn't using that food for fuel as energy or may have other imbalances going on. So we use a physical sense and see, okay, someone's overeating, they put the weight away because they're not shifting that energy. But let's look at that as if we've got the mental or the trauma and if we're not releasing that, we're not shifting that energy, that would be destructive to who we are as and we really are being pulled in the wrong direction from living our best selves. Yeah, and there's one. There's another way that just made me think. Or we, you know, we started out this line of conversation talking about, you know, firstly having the awareness of what's going on. When we, if we listen to the inner critic, often the inner critic, you'll be like, "Who does that sound like?" And she sounds like my major caregiver as a child. But if we can listen to that inner critic, what is that voice saying? Is that voice saying? Amy, you know, wake up, it's an amazing day, you're like, you're killing it, you're such a gorgeous human, you're inherently precious and amazing, you're doing such a great job at this life. Unlikely, what is that, what is, I mean, you've done some work, so maybe you're getting closer to that voice, but what is that inner voice, you know, saying to us, and how much is it dictating of whether we're, whether we're right, we're sitting in pain, or whether we're simply, you know, up limiting ourselves, like we just... Yeah, we'll only get to this level of financial freedom or this level of happiness in a relationship or this level of happiness within ourselves because we have these beliefs that are keeping us small. Absolutely. And a lot of people sort of don't even think about their beliefs much. And I'm a big thing, I'm a, you know, beliefs part of the mindset piece, you know, the puzzles to this whole piece. It's part of our foundation. We talk about beliefs. So beliefs basically come from trauma or external experience thoughts basically we start hovering as truth and one of the biggest things they often can be massive blocks to what we want to do our growth our personal growth our goals it could be that we have a belief around that money is a bit of all evil but we want to grow our wealth so there's a conflict it could be that you're not worthy enough so mm -hmm. then you go into relationships that are destructive because you've got this sort of belief that you aren't worthy of the relationship you deserve. The fact is what we've got to start doing is calling out those beliefs and really thinking about our self-talk, really looking into that. It took a long time. There, As you know, you and I have spoken when we're on that, the work is a long, it's a journey. It took me a long time to start realizing what my beliefs were. And when you find a belief, you actually evidence that is not true and as you start to see that evidence mm. you start leaning into that evidence of going I am worthy and looking at other people who are worthy like you who live like you are experiencing beautiful relationships or are experiencing a positive relationship with their finances or are living life without having to be in a situation where there's addiction because they're worthy to live without feeling like they need to to themselves or avoid or hide or put their head in the, you know, in the cloud, so to speak. There's the fact is we've got to look for that evidence and and feedback with the awareness is the key piece. And, you know, that, as you said earlier, can come through meditation, therapy. It can even actually come through when you're doing some exercise, just you're slowing down and you're becoming aware of thoughts. What was that? What did I just think then? Hang on a minute. So I'm in the past, I'm in the future, or am I in the present? And being present is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I mean. It's 
I wouldn't give these things to, to walk away with, you know, something kind of tangible. And I think that's really powerful. I mean, it's just that like, yeah, just stop and realize like, am I here and now? Like, and so often, and am I resisting the here and now? Because often a lot of the mental anguish and suffering that we, that we kind of endure in our lives internally is the non-acceptance of what was, what is, or what will be. Like, I don't want to be in this kind of financial crisis. I don't want to be, you know, drinking too much. But the reality is, I wish I hadn't done that, but we can't change the past or getting stuck in the future again that we have no, we have no control over. So yeah, where are we right now in this moment of time? How much of our lives are we creating from conscious intention of really how we want to create our lives and who we want to be? Like a great teacher of mine talks about Alan Clemens around how we paint our consciousness. So if we have like a palette, like an artist, do we want to paint it? with grace and with kindness and with cash and compassion. And I often think that I like to start the day with from a place of wonder and awe, mm -hmm. you know, like as opposed to tired, exhausted, frustrated, you know, yes, life can be difficult. It can be really difficult and really painful. And I'm not one of those that like high vibes only. I think toxic positivity is just absolutely repulsive to me. What I'm talking about is being real. So people mm -hmm. get really honest with themselves. Like, my head right now like really and my body like am i you know we're talking about mindset but you can't pull you know it's for everything it's always needs to be a holistic solution trauma sits in the body the gabo mate and you know many others talk about this but we want to you know understand right now like are we happy within ourselves what is our inner voice saying and if we were to you know look at how we want to live our lives and then do how are we living our lives and how do we want to live in our lives and what does it seem in alignment? And this whole idea, you know, some of this whole speak in the conscious talk and, you know, and there's a funny place in Bali, people check all the discipline and spirituality, where we have this whole language around consciousness, you know. But really, if we're just really honest, is it just around like being a conscious and being awake is really just being aware. So you know, how am I showing up and how is that cross-reference with, you know, how I want to be showing up, you know, and where are the gaps? And there could be a lot of pain in there or there could just be a big shortfall, you know, and why is that? Well, it's probably because there's a lot of old kind of software running your systems that need to be, that need to be upgraded. Oh, that's such a good analogy. I speak about forgiveness the same way. It's like having a computer and all of a sudden your computer's not working well. Because you've got to, it's like letting go of stuff. And that leads me to something else we're going to talk about as well. It's fear peace. Because when we are creatures of habit and when something is uncertain or something new, we will often steer away from it because we have this habit of sort of sticking to what we know because it's a survival mechanism. So when we're actually at a point of awareness, better, wanting than, to better change, than you know, it's easy to just slip back and avoid that actually step forward, look at the situation, as you sort of pointed out, having that awareness and that consciousness so that we can make these changes. And I think the best thing that I, you know, one of the tools I've now implemented, but it was done for me, um, and I guess that's how often the, uh, us as coaches are really developed, is because we the work ourselves is actually being really honest and going if I don't change if I don't step into this and really have a look it could be opening a can of worms that I don't want to deal with but if I don't do that where are they in 12 months time and how will that play in my life you've just brought up you've brought up a really interesting point the levels of the extent that people will go to to avoid their trauma and to avoid their stuff. Like, do you want the, and that's all, like, do you want the pain of just being where you are or, the, you know, being where you are or the pain of something new and uncomfortable? Because that's going to be slightly uncomfortable and then it's going to be amazing. But staying where you are here is just going to be constantly painful. And constantly running from not facing your actual fears or what's holding you back is exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. You know, so whether you're numbing, dumbing and distracting with, Netflix, chocolate, wine, vodka, heroin, shopping, gambling, whatever it is, you know, that takes a lot of energy. And that could be energy that could be brought into loving and be present and 
you know, giving back or, you know, taking some time out and just being there, you know, watching the sunrise because we don't have anything left over for that stuff. You know, people are like, I don't have time to meditate. Oh, you've got time to be stressed out and screaming at your kids, but you don't have time to meditate. You know, like sometimes, and also like you brought up an interesting point around like what feels comfortable, you know, except people go, like, it doesn't feel comfortable. You know, really going, where are you going to be in the next 12 months? You know, until we actually get to that point where we actually are prepared to step out of our comfort zone, so to speak, and actually, because we do get stuck in a trap and doing something over and over again, which is insanity, but that is very typical human nature. Yep. So your brilliant point there in terms of stuck in the comfort zone. So, you know, the, and the, and what tends to happen is also people, our subconscious feels safe in what it knows, but what it knows might be bad. It might be mm -hmm. toxic behavior. You know, we're living in fear and, and scarcity and, but that's comfortable. And we keep going until we kind of upgrade ourselves, we keep going back to that place that's safe and comfortable. And even if we kind of step out of that without doing the work, we'll self-sabotage. So, you know, what we need to do is yeah, get really honest with ourselves about where we want to go and be willing to be in the uncomfortable to change and grow and develop. And that's the, the reality, that, that is the reality of it. It's like, it's that, that cheesy saying, like do one thing every day that scares you, you know, if you think, and that's why that, you know, some of these new kind of trendy things like hot and cold, you know, doing ice baths and, you know, and I'm a big fan of like hot and cold exposure therapy and I do intermittent fasting. And when you put yourself into that uncomfortable, there's the opportunity to grow. You know, and you also, we are so much more resistant than you realize. Sitting in an ice bath a couple of minutes, it's really not that difficult. It's the fear of doing it that's painful. It's the fear 100%. of it. 100%. So, and it's, so it's just like this, we get so, the subconscious keeps us stuck where we are, but, but we don't need to be limited by that. No, we don't. But you've got to be brave. You've got to be, you've got to actually, as I said earlier, really question, what am I going to lose by actually exploring some change? And if I don't explore where, you know, you've really got to be honest with yourself. And this is part of the work is being that honest with yourself and going, okay, in my case with what I do with my clients, it's having a look at the numbers on a bank statement sometimes and being really honest about, is that really the person you want to be? Perhaps it could be, you know, you've come to me and you've said you've wanted to have X amount and you want a passive income, but you're living like a different person. So step up to the person that does have that passive income and that has that freedom that can go and, for example, live in, you know, Bali for 12 months and pursue their passions and be creative. You know, what if that is the person you want to be, you've got to step up and step into that person, which means you've got to change behaviours. It means you've got to actually have a look at the, these, all of these things that we've just spoken about. And it sounds like, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I've got to look at my childhood trauma and everything, but that stuff will come up if you don't make those changes anyway. As I said, when we, before we were off air. That's the thing is like, people are like, oh no, I can't go in there, I can't run. Like, but while you're not going there, it's running your whole life. You know, that whole trauma is dictating your subconscious, which is running your life. So while you're not going there, you unconsciously are going there. So how about you just make the bold decision to go there, do some therapy, get a coach, whatever kind of modality you want to use, face whatever it is that's holding you and step into the growth. It's like, it's like putting down the drink is so freaking painful. And I'm also not going to start this putting down the drink in terms of heavy drinking and, hab and, and habit is very different from recovering complex trauma and high addiction and the neurological conditioning of that. But it, it, we, either stage, whether you're whatever habit or addictive behavior, you're looking to change. It's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it's like in the rooms of sobriety, we hear people, no one actually should ever goes, oh, I so wish I hadn't given up drinking. God, I want that misery back. That morning after that shame, oh, I miss it, you know, and that can be an analogy for anything, you know, whatever you're using to, Absolutely. Um, whether you just can on Instagram all night. It is that you could be doing a lot, you could be doing a, a course in, in, you know, upgrading your finances or learning a new language or, you know, and if we look at the pillars of mental health, we spoke about this before we jumped on the call. If we look at, are we connected 
to something bigger than ourselves, like, a, you know, mentioned spiritual law, religious, you know, a, a purpose, being a parent, whatever, some kind of something that's bigger and more purposeful, some level of purpose. How well do we feel connected to others? Like we've got to feel like we've got trusted friendships and there are people around us that support us to grow and develop. You know, you're the average of five people you spend the most time with. Constantly learning is one that's often overlooked. It is so good for you neurologically to be constantly learning. So it's just some little course on, you know, on your genius or anything. Constantly learning is a really important one. And then how do we nourish mind, body, and spirit? So what is our physical environment like? And what are we putting into our, and what are we putting into our body? And what are we putting into our minds? You know, the minds are fertile grounds. I don't watch news. I don't watch the news either. Highly sensitive being. me too. I don't, it's, it doesn't, it just puts me into a really negative frame of mind. I don't, that doesn't mean I'm ignorant. I go to different news sources to get information, but there is just certain things, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll bring the untethered soul going to bed, you know, that's going to nourish me. Yeah. I am a hundred percent like you there, Kylie. Yeah. I actually did a podcast with one of my colleagues who's also a mindset coach and we were talking about, look, we this in this day and age, how much trauma we face with technology, how much advertising, how much information is just thrown in our faces, twenty four seven, and especially now in post COVID, but we're still dealing with a lot of trauma going worldwide. And then there's the economy, that you know, the media totally sort of hyper intensifies. Sensationalized. Sensationalized is the perfect word. Oh. It's so bad. The politics, the children fighting, the level of maturity, it's just appalling. But anyway, so I actually brought that up in a couple of weeks ago in a podcast, the fact that I actually am up with understanding where we are with, you know, economic news I have to understand and know. But there is, uh, if something is important, my husband will tell me, I just can't watch the news. I can't read it. I don't pick up a newspaper because... It's not soulful. It's not feeding me. My world, it might seem like I'm living in an ignorant bubble, but some, as I say, sometimes ignorance is bliss. I prefer to be in a space where this is my life, my world. My focus is for my children and my, you know, clients and my friends and family. And because I'm that kind of person that sort of am focused to look after everybody, including myself, the part of looking after myself mm. is being mindful of what comes in, what's being fed, what information am I taking on? Yeah, absolutely. So like how are you nourishing mind, body and spirit? And, you know, another cheesy old analogy, but it's a good one is, you know, putting our own oxygen mask on first, you know, especially as women. And especially if, like, if it's in your nature to be, you know, a caretaker and compassion and giving. If you're a high, if you're a, if you're a high performer, you're likely highly sensitive and you get you more attuned to other people's needs. And so, yeah, how are you making sure that you look after yourself rather than just giving from a place of being empty and then just being exhausted? And then, of course, you want that wine or that just, you know, that either guilty pleasure or whatever it is, you know. And that's it. Nothing wrong with having a wine or two if it works well for you. Nothing wrong with that. But just whatever you're using that, that you know and we all know, like our inner voice, you know, we have a survival instinct. We're in, we know what things are good for us and what aren't, and what things are holding us back and what's not. Mm. And even if I making an unpopular decision to go home early and get eight hours sleep. It's so true. Look, I'll talk from experience. My brother and sister both have had addiction. My brother's no longer with us. So I grew up with people with severe addiction issues as heroin abuse and all sorts of things. And I have this sort of, I've, you know, anti-addiction, this sort of story in my head. And a couple of years ago, I was sitting with a psychologist just going through some stuff that I'd been, you know, as to my brother passed and having a baby and hormonal changes and just dealing with things coming up. And I, and she asked about that and I just went, oh, no addiction here, you know. And she just stopped me and she goes, I think you have an addiction to busyness and that's avoidance. And I just knew I was flawed. I was like, oh my God. And I really thought back and I look at my life and something that I have to constantly be <laughs> mindful of. Because I, I, you know, like last night I worked till midnight, but I don't feel like I'm working all the time. It's just because this is what I love doing. But I've got, I met now since that conversation, I do make time and prioritize me and actually have that 
mindfulness and go, what have I been running away from? What have I been avoiding? And as you start asking those questions, it will come up and you've got to sort of face that. But if they, if you don't ask those questions, I can tell you, life will bring it back to you anyway. It starts as a maybe a bit of rain and next thing it's a hailstorm. And at those situations where you're sitting in a situation that's catastrophic almost, you really got to sit there and go, what's the lesson here? Because it's obviously yeah. sometimes and stuff it, and that we're not looking at and prepared for and life will throw it in our faces anyway. Yeah. I've found in my life, it's like the universe nudges me and goes, that's not working for you. I'm like, yeah, nudges me again. I'm like, yeah, no, less thing. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like and that. Oh, you know, like, whisper until it screams. You know what, friends, with chronic health condition, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. I'm like, you stop to think about, like, stop treating the symptoms. And that's also... Big medicine, big pharma, whole other conversation there. But we treat the symptoms. We don't go to the root. Why are you constantly getting sick? You know, what is you know what is your body trying to tell you that you need to slow down, that you need to stop, that you need to have a look at some stuff, right? Why do you have to be busy? How can you not just sit with yourself? Exactly. That was a big you know, one for me. And because I was an, a mindset coach as well as an advisor and, you know, doing all these things in my life, I was going, actually, because we were having this conversation around all of the books that I'd been reading and she was giving me books and I was like, oh, this is the best psychology situation I've ever been in because I'm just talking about my passion. And she completely floored me. And at that point I went, okay, I actually have to be really aware of my time, but my time with others. And it was a conscious awareness because when you're busy, when with anything that you've got, you know, that you're filling or avoiding or masking, it's why, first of all, am I doing this? But two, it's often, you know, subconsciously driven. It's when, until we sit there and actually in the moment, like I'm now trying to do that more and more with my children. I look back at the way I was with my three boys when I was a single mum and I hadn't learnt this stuff. So I look back and I go, oh my gosh, but now I get this second chance with my daughter and I can go, okay, when she gets home from kindy, it's on the floor, it's playing, it's being present, it's enjoying the moment because I can tell you they just grow up so quickly and I have those regrets with the older boys and I have to constantly forgive myself for that too. But it's like I know I wasn't present and I was busy trying to build business, trying to keep the roof over. And now, of course, we've got responsibilities. Don't get me wrong. Busyness is sometimes a necessity, you know, necessity, but it's, is it filling your world up? Are you in this space where you're yeah. actually avoiding being and sitting in your, within yourself? All the things that you're doing, you have to be doing them. Are they actually important? Are you just doing them to stay busy and stay active and stay distracted? And you've also just raised another really, really important point. I mean, that is just around the self-discovery and self-development journey. One of the tools that we need to learn very early on is self-forgiveness, mm. you know. I used to be having compassion for others, but I didn't have any for myself, you know. So compassion for yourself, compassion for who we're at. We're doing the very best where we've got where we are, you know, right now in this moment of time. And that also helps, I find, with forgiving others as well, to just think they're probably doing the very best with what they have right now, you know. And Absolutely. to our parents, they do the best with what they have time but we're also in this era where we have this access to this incredible world we can podcasts and there's books and that we can even we can move beyond that you know that we can we, we can start doing better you know we can be more conscious and start doing better absolutely and i think we're bringing it right back to the beginning of our podcast as well is that the key thing is being conscious if we want to live our best life we've got to be aware of how what's going on how our brains are working and thinking and those beliefs and what those drivers are and actually being conscious to that and and sitting in that for that moment and facing some of that stuff. But that forgiveness piece is certainly part of that consciousness because once we actually start seeing ourselves in a compassionate point of view as a mother, that is probably the biggest challenge I have. It's easy for me to be a career you know, person, have, own a business and work. I really, I really, when I was a young mum with the three boys and I struggled, I went through that same pattern and the pattern of being really resentful mm. and frustrated when Gracie was mm. born and I didn't expect that would happen. 
And I had to look at that pattern and I had to really work on that forgiveness and realize that there was a lot of forgiving that I needed to do of myself as a mother to that, mm. that, that mum that I was years ago because that then allowed me to mm. be the mother I am now. You've got to let go of that baggage. You've got mm. to let go of the heaviness. And, again, you know, when we do the money coaching, yeah. a lot of us think about our parents and how they raised us and it's forgive them because they don't know and that, you know, and they're doing their best and they loved you and they learned all that stuff from their parents and so on. You know, it just, it gets handed down. It get that is just stuff that occurs. So forgiving is incredibly powerful and it doesn't need to be, you know, from that point of religious, it can just, or spiritually, if you're not into that kind of woo-woo thing, it's literally letting go and going, I did my best and love myself and you know, accept and just let it go and move forward. I have a beautiful meditation mm. on forgiveness. As, I do a lot. Oh, I love just, yeah, meta meditations, basically. Just, yeah, it can be really profound. And there's one thing I'm conscious of time, lovely, and I'm just thinking there's a diagnostic tool that we use in the addiction world that I think can be used for anyone to see whether their behaviours, their kind of whatever that kind of habit energy or addictive energy is stuck in is actually getting to a point is painful. So what we look at in, in, in our simplified in the in terms of alcohol is firstly like you look at have I tried to cut down or stop and not being able to. So apply this to whatever habit or behaviour. Have you tried to try something differently, you know, and not being able to. In terms of drinking, you need to drink more to get the same buds and let's see tolerance increase. So again, any addictive behaviors, particularly in sex, you have to do really risky behaviors now to get your kicks out of it. But I deal with a lot of sex addiction clients as well because high-performing male leaders will often put down the drink, but they haven't dealt with the trauma. So if you put down, like the drink or the drug or whatever it is, you've got to come back and deal with the root cause of what was driving it. And then looking at the, you know, the tolerance level, does the this behavior or this substance have impacts in other areas of my life, in my relationship, you know, in my, you know, has my boss or my wife or my husband actually ever said stop drinking or stop that behaviour or process, you know, whatever it is. And then when we start looking at more serious consequences, like, you know, the legal ramifications, DUI, and then when you have a psychological addiction and, sorry, a physiological addiction as well as a psychological addiction to the substance like alcohol, the morning after you'll actually get a withdrawal, which is different from a hangover. So that is, you'll get anxiety. We all feel sick from drinking too much alcohol, but you'll get anxiety and a need for more. And if you start on the morning drinking, you need to see someone. So, mm -hmm. but again, we can apply to, because you've got, because addiction is chronic. And once you get to that point of physiological or psychological addiction, you can't just step back into you can't just step back into normal drinking. But if you catch it, you catch whatever behaviours before you get to the legal consequences, the physiological condition, con condition then, then you might be able to manage that. You might be able to be a moderate drinker or moderating whatever that behaviour is. But if you get to that final stage, it can be, you can't say stop. And also don't, don't stop. I can stop for a couple of months of time. I've got very strong self-will. That's not stay stopped. But you can stay stopped and whether and whether you actually know that you've got it or actual physiological craving for that process or the other substance. Wow, that is so helpful because I think it can actually be applied in not just sort of that level of addiction, but just in behaviours and relationships mm -hmm. and all sorts of other areas of our lives where we've got to stop and think. Yes, you know, yeah. yeah. How, how, like... The next day or the outcome or it's, it's just consistently a habit and again that conscious awareness how's it serving me is it going to serve me is it actually that person that i want to be is that helping me achieve those goals i mean catching it earlier i like that you brought that up mm -hmm. because it, again it's mm -hmm. being aware if we catch something early i think we still need to and call out for support you know ongoing treat you know coaching or treatment or whatever the case may be but it's you know like raising a child you know it's, it takes a village we're designed to have community we're designed to connect we're designed to have support and when we're going through challenges and changes having somebody who's cheering you on and encouraging you and holding your hand or holding you when you're in a challenging mm. situation 
is also really important. So I think anyone who's listening today, there's a lot here that we've said, and please feel free to reach out to either of us. I mean, it's far from, you know, it's taking extreme, as Carly had said, it's very it's spectrum. But the foundation to all of what we've discussed is really mindset. And when you've got that right mindset and you've got the right support, you can create, you know, your that ideal life. You can create this beautiful life, but it's actually stepping up, stepping into that person that you want to be and making some calls and calling out stuff that isn't serving you. Yes, <laughs> Thanks, Amy. It's been so, so wonderful to continue that, you know, the organic conversation from the, you know, big sides and one of the big sides to, yeah, to online here and share it across the globe. Really beautiful. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Hopefully you've enjoyed this this podcast and I'll be putting some links in the show notes. You're very welcome to reach out to either of us. And Kylie, I'll probably get you to also include, give me some links for sort of people, places where people can reach out if they actually have recognised that they've got addiction issues, support groups and whatnot. Got- That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you again your time and uh, yeah really great to connect with you and your listeners thank you very much for coming if you enjoyed this podcast please share the love like and share all posts social links are in the show notes below please note that any information shared in this podcast is general in nature and not to be perceived as financial advice please seek advice from a licensed financial advisor just like me we also want to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the traditional custodians of this country we record this podcast in. We recognise their continuing connection to the land and waters and thank them for protecting this coastline and its ecosystems since time immemorial. Mm-hmm.